Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Hitchhiker. I am Jeff. With me, as always, is Matt and Jamie. Hello. And today we have Mixie from Stitched Up Heart. Hi. (laughs) Hello, Mixie. How are you? I'm doing pretty good in, uh, you know, the grand scheme of things, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably dive into that in a little bit. Uh, first things first, congratulations on the album this year. Thanks. Yeah, seriously, it's awesome. Aw, hey, thanks. Um, I, know, I know your work from pretty much the beginning, uh, and one of the things I noticed is, because you've had the same members uh, now since about 2014, and I know there was a lot of... Um, change-ups and stuff before that but you can really see the progression and the growth between the two albums as far as a group i think um but um that's just my, my two cents and you know we'll dive into that but i know jamie uh wanted to start out with a few questions for you yeah yeah so one, uh, my main one i wanted to ask just like kind of just to have you take me through like the writing process because just every song that i heard i was just hooked on your lyrics like i obviously love the music and everything but I just feel like from start to finish, the lyrics were just so like in depth and made you like think a certain way. I don't know. It was just awesome. Thank you. Um, I actually spent a lot of time figuring out what we wanted to say for this album. We wrote 70 songs. So it was, it it evolved. The message uh, that, that we wanted to say kind of evolved over time. And um, towards the end, I started like originally I wanted to write about strength and about overcoming everything and you're, you can do it, you know? Um, but it was all coming out a little too, like there wasn't that dark stuff that brought you to the light that like made you strong stuff that you went through to, to get to that strength. Um, so I had to realize that I needed to go and revisit those times that I don't really like to talk about much. And I don't think anybody really does, but in order to show people, um, that that there you can make it through that stuff, you know. Um, and with the album, every single time I would write, I would meditate on what, like, how can I, how can I reach the deepest the deepest parts of myself and bring those to light to connect with people in the deepest way that I possibly can. And I would meditate trying to send some sort of a message of like. Um, to, to bring some kid that may not be having a good day or something, take that sad person and show them that there is hope and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Well, I definitely think you did that. I, my two personal favorites were straight jacket, just those lyrics. I like from the first, when it started, I was hooked, but then you listen to like warrior and I was a badass. Listen to that song. I felt like I could take on the world with that one. So I mean, it shows with your music. So that's awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah. What would, who would you say like your artist influences are? Cause I hear so many, like such a specific sound. That's just so cool. So who do you, who would you say inspires you? Man, um, we really tried to like, cause we wrote 70 songs for this album. We really tried to find our own like weird, unique thing for this record mm-hmm. um, to try to separate ourselves from anything that anything out there. I mean, as an artist, we always want to be as authentic and original as possible. Um, so it took a while to, to try to like find a lane. It doesn't mean that our whole sound is going to be like this record forever. It just means this record is sounding like this. Um, we, we didn't really want to sound like anything. Um, and I think like you can't, you're going to be compared to stuff no matter what you do, but, um, 
we wanted to create something that's like unique to ourselves, which I don't know if you'll hear uh, a lot of the electronics in the background were created just from my voice. And what the producer would do is take my voice and cut it up and turn it into its own instrument and its own thing inside the music um, on top of whatever what else was going on. Because your voice is so unique. You can make a guitar sound a million different ways, but you can only make, you know, and you can take electronics and samples of sounds and synths um, and make them sound certain ways, but your voice is your voice and it's going to sound like you. So how can we be our, as unique as possible, as original as we are by taking this and making it into its own instrument, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. How do you, with 70 songs, how do you even start to choose how to narrow that down? That's crazy. Yeah, it, actually, we didn't end up using pretty much the entire roster of songs until the very last 10 or 11. Okay. The, we only pulled two songs from all of those other ones that we wrote, um, which was Straight Jacket uh, and My Demon. So those are the only two songs that we didn't end up writing in the very last you know, go at the, the album. Um, because I think that there was a lot of experimenting and a lot of stuff that just wasn't working because we were trying something totally different and stuff that's out of our comfort zone. Um, so it really wasn't until we finally realized where we wanted to go with the music and what we wanted to say that, uh, that it wasn't till the end. Like as you do stuff, you get better as you go, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we finally dialed in what we wanted to do, the producer we wanted to use, what we wanted to say. And uh, that's where pretty much the rest of the record came in. That's so cool. Okay. So go ahead, Matt. So, so yeah, she said um, some songs stuck out to her. Uh, one song that stuck out to me was Darkness on the new album. And I was wondering, like you said, you have 70 songs how what what stood out about darkness to make it that that title track and name the album the same you know darkness was um it actually kind of tied into the entire lyrical content of the the whole record where it's pulling somebody out of the dark time knowing that you're strong enough and you've made it through this stuff before that you can make it out again and not being afraid of it anymore um and it was also dedicated to some of our very very close a uh, couple of girls that are very very close to me and they follow our band and they were kind of on the edge of not being wanting to be alive anymore um and i was pulling them out of this over and over and over again and i i just um wanted to write a song dedicated to them and so the whole record is dedicated to the listener, you know, and it kind of ties in with the concept, lyric, the lyrical content and um, everything all together and the dedication to the people listening. That's great. That's awesome. Um, this album, compared, I, I went back and listened to your first EP as well. The first EP, EP I found really in your face and, and kind of to the point, um, just raw. And this one, like you mentioned, a lot more electronic, um, is this a route that you think you guys might take? I know, I know EDM is, is huge over the last like five, 10 years and it's just bleeding over into other genres. And I'm wondering like, if this is like a new fad or it's going to fizzle out eventually, or if, if you find some actual like encouragement on, on moving forward with this. I love in the box kind of stuff and electronics, adding it to a guitar. Like I said, with the guitar, I absolutely, I think we're definitely going to evolve every album. Like, we're not going to say this is our new sound or anything yeah. ever. Like, it's of always going to be growing and changing. And I think mm -hmm. because 
we would get bored doing the same stuff over and over again. But yeah, every record evolves in its own way. And we started just being more kind of almost punk in a way, like really fast and like, rah. And as time goes by with, especially with streaming and stuff, I think that it's easier for me. I sonically like to listen to something that's a little easier to listen to and doesn't give you a freaking panic attack. So, (laughs) um, but I love those low tuned, heavy guitars. So, um, you know, with, the sound has evolved as like something that you can listen to while you're streaming and just making a cake, but it's still got metal elements to yeah. it. You know? yeah. That's a great thing. You bring up the word metal um, metal is, is, for so many decades, even like the sixties, the seventies. I mean, there were no women in metal. Um, I mean, I can think of, of maybe Coven or Lita Ford or something like that that kind of stood out. But then over in the late 90s, I mean, you get you get people popping up like Angela with Arc Enemy or um, uh, Amy Lee with Evanescence, uh, Christina with Lacuna Coil. And then the late 90s kind of blossom into this. Uh, you, you turn to nowadays and over the past 10, 15 years, we have so many female fronted bands. Do you think what, what do you think attribute that? Do you think did you listen to heavier music growing up or? Or how did that kind of that women's movement kind of progress into what what we're seeing now? I have no idea. I think that, you know, over time, like you got the runaways, then you got mm-hmm. like so you've got Joan Jett, you got Lita Ford, then you got like Cindy Lauper, which is a little on the edge of pop, but still a little bit of like a you know, a heavier kind of unique thing. Yeah. Um, then the nineties, you've got Avril Lavigne and, and, uh, you know, all, I, I feel like the women movement goes like this uh-huh. and it evolves over time. And I think as we have more people in the planet, we have more females doing that, that are drawn to this. Yeah. Um, but we're definitely like, you know, I don't know. I, I think that the heavier music was so much a male, you know, industry because it's for people to just be like oh i just want to yeah. i'll go and punch people yeah yeah you're showing you're showing women can do it are, are there are there certain influences that you've had i mean nowadays or even even back all the way to to like i was saying with, with stevie nicks and lita ford and stuff is, is there anybody that kind of stood out that guided you into hey this is what i want to do i think i saw um gwen stefani like when I was in school a long time ago, my dad took me to a, to a No Doubt concert. And I remember remembering that concert. And my memory is the worst. I somehow remember our song lyrics, but I just, I forget everything. So I remember that concert so well, everything she did on that performance. And um, I think that it subconsciously might have sunk in that like, this is something that girls can do too, even though all my friends were guys in bands, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, I just love doing music and I've just been drawn to it. And um, we definitely need more women out there. Hopefully the next movement will have even more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Gwen Stefani, she's so commanding and and such a badass that I I could see anybody really looking up to that. Even, even guys, you know, the, just her stage presence is just, it's amazing. Lots of energy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I see you've got, you've got dates booked with Disturbed and Sebastian Bach coming up. Um, is, is, um, am I right on that? Uh, not the disturbed thing, but I no? hope it, if we have some thought, dates, let I me know. I saw I'll something on, on that one of Okay. <laughs> well, well, even, even Sebastian Bach, I mean, he's been in the industry for 25 plus years. Um, what, what are some things that you're learning from these, from these bigger bands that you tour with? Um, oh, is, is, 
I know getting into the industry, everybody wants to get in there and make it big. But then when you finally start to to get a little big, you you see a little shift and and the industry kind of sheds more light on it. What are some things that you're learning that maybe you weren't um, ready to to encounter yet? Oh man, we learned something every single tour, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a, a tour with Godsmack last year. It taught us so much about like arena tours. And then a year before that, we did uh, another, our first arena tour with um, In This Moment and Hailstorm and New Year's Day. And um, we learned so much on those because we'd gone from clubs and theaters and stuff. And now we're doing like these bigger events that cost that have a lot more people involved in the production mm-hmm. behind it. So it's, it's interesting. We learned that we need a sound guy. That's the yeah. biggest thing yeah. we just learned. And we had our first sound guy on the steel Panther run because we were always at the mercy of the person working at that venue that didn't know our music, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, we, we realized that changed everything night and day. It's, yeah. I, I wish we had figured that out sooner, but right. like, you know, you go and you learn. But um, so, yeah, I mean, every single time we try to soak up as much information and how we can do better the next tour and how, you know, we always try to just better ourselves. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, you can hear it and you can see it from our performances from yeah. when we first started in 2011 to like our, I think Steel Panther was probably the strongest um, performance that we'd ever had um, that awesome. was coming after the Godsmack run. So we, we learned a lot. That's awesome. Very cool. Jeff, uh, you got some questions? I did. Uh, I want to jump back for a second because you said that the 70 songs, you came down to two and then you picked a producer. Um, and you can hear Matt Good in the album a little bit um, and his style. My, I guess one of the questions about that is, he wasn't a part of the song picking process, just the development process. Yeah. Um, well, he's, he's very much an artist over a producer. Um, he, uh, definitely brought his own kind of thing to it. And when him and I got together to kind of try and collaborate and see if, uh, if the chemistry worked, which happened with a lot of producers, um, we just were on the same page. And it, I think that, if you feel like it's right and it just makes sense, then you have to just go with that. And, um, he's, he's so, I think we ended up using a lot of the songs also because he's, we had such a good chemistry that it worked out perfectly. And who cares about the rest of the songs we wrote? Like let's, we got, we ended up, we were supposed to, I was there for a month in Arizona. We were supposed to only write for the first week and then we were going to use some of the other ones and bring them in, but we kept writing and we kept getting better stuff and everybody kept loving it. So we were like, well, let's just write the whole thing now. (laughs) Um, So it just worked really well together. And uh, yeah, he's definitely got a huge influence. He has his own little icing on the cake and, and with our band, we have, we have one thing we bring to the table, but the album changes also based off the producer and what they're bringing to the table. So we have like Mitchell Marlowe and Sahaj Ticketon on the, the record before, which I'm actually going to fly um, to see Sahaj next Monday because we're going to write some some stuff. We're going to lock ourselves in a house and write for a week. Um, he did Catch Me When I Fall, um, Now That You're Gone. Uh, he worked on half of the Never Alone album. So yeah. So yeah, so we're bringing some of the old stuff back. I've written with Mitchell um, on the Never Alone stuff and um, some collaborations that we've done since we've been in quarantine um, and writing a lot from home right now as well. So 
yeah, Matt has his own flavor. And that's what I found that I really liked about, about him is that he, he's very unique. Did you, uh, did you interview some other producers before that where you were like, Oh no. <laughs> well, we, you know, we have an A&R guy that sets us up with collaborations with producers to kind of see what would happen. Um, and, you know, let's try this guy and see what you guys come up with with him. Let's try this guy and see. We're ultimately basically shopping a producer while we're, co- while we're writing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until the very end where we, we actually had a producer in mind. And then it was taking too long. So we kind of backed out of this, the deal. And then we, he's a great producer. Then we ended up finding Matt. And we were like, oh, this is the guy. And, you know, so. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a search for the right producer as well as a search for the sound that we wanted. Okay. Uh, with the Godsmack tour, I'm assuming that that's how the whole collaboration came around for Lost? Yeah, uh, I was put together a um, couple years, like about three years ago, I think, uh, to collaborate with them, the beginning writing phases of this. And so I flew out to, to Boston, stayed there for a few days. We came up with a couple songs. We didn't end up putting them on the record, but we became like, we instantly clicked. It was like instant friends. Like we were just like, felt like I'd known you for like a lifetime or two, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he's super chill and super humble. And he, you know, we just kept in touch over the years and he, um, the management was like, Hey, uh, do you want to see if he wants to sing on any of the songs on the record? And we, you know, I asked him, even though I don't like asking favors from people, but I like hesitantly asked and he said, yes, as long as it's the right song. And when we finished writing it, I listened to lost and I was like, Oh, this would be actually a pretty cool song for him to be on. So he, uh, was moving the Godsmack studio down to Nashville so that they could get bands in there and record over there. And he's like, meet me in Nashville and we'll track the vocals because I don't want to just send it through email. It's just not as sentimental. So I was like, okay, cool. So he flew me first class. Like they, they like, I don't know why they, they feed you lasagna for breakfast in first class, but you know, here's champagne and lasagna. Hey, that's something you don't question. Right. Like I'll take it. Um, so yeah, so it was pretty cool. Stayed there uh, for like two days and the studio wasn't built yet. Like we weren't, they weren't done putting everything together and I had to fly out the next morning and he's like, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm like, dude, we're in Nashville. You know how many studios there are here? (laughs) Make this happen. So we found some guy and went to his house. He tracked the vocals and then it was on the thing. And he's like, so who's going to sing my parts? And I was like, Oh, the guys in the band can do it. If we're on tour with someone, maybe they would want to, sing uh preferably you and then yeah. that's kind of how the tour happened okay oh so he on the actual tour he jumped out for every song that's cool yeah well it, it took like uh until we got a proper sound check which is about seven shows in um to get us together to actually go over the song together and make sure his ears were dialed in and all that good stuff so um, so we had like our, uh, our merch guy slash crew member, whatever he did. I don't know. We just paid them to hang out with us, but he came up on the stage <laughs> and sang Sully's parts for some of the beginning of the tour. And then once Sully came in pretty much was on every single show except one. Okay. So was the entire video for Lost, was that all shot on that tour? 
Yeah, they had a uh, they have a social media slash uh, photographer videographer that goes on the road with them. Um, her name's Paris, and she is awesome. And she just took clips of us singing that throughout the tour over multiple shows. And I figured that was the easiest way to make a music video out of it. You know, like how am I going to get him in a music video? Well, we're on the road together. We might as well just. And I really, it was also selfish. I just wanted to document this awesome experience that we had and. Um, get it on camera somehow. So it, it worked out pretty well. I also think it makes it super authentic, you know, you being on stage doing what you love seeing that versus like, I mean, even if you are a great actress and you can portray something in a music video, like I loved that music video like that. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I love watching it. It gives me goosebumps. I'm like, man, remember when you like, we're on that huge stage that you like it's so big you run out of breath from one side to the <laughs> next. Like by song one, I'm like, oh my God, he had me like <laughs> working out every day trying to get my like blood flowing before I went on stage because he's like just pump some iron I'm like okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was a, a surreal experience and every single day I was just like I can't believe we're doing this you know um that's another question because I I've seen you at a venue that holds 200 and then you go to a venue that holds 20,000 how, I'm sure it's a pretty different experience. Um, it, can you give me the good and bad out of both? Because I know when you play an arena, you can't really touch your fans as easily. I mean, you can you can as far as the stage and the song goes, but I, I mean like face to face, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I honestly like it's. They both have their amazing things, and they both have like some. Ne negative things like the people in the front row or in between a whole entire space and a barricade and I could barely see them. I actually ended up getting LASIK eye surgery afterwards because I realized that I was going so nearsighted. I couldn't barely <laughs> see the people in this, you know, out in the crowd. I was like, where are they? They're there. Um, but yeah, so I uh, realized I should probably see, I want to experience everything. So I, I ended up doing that. But, um, but yeah, those little venues also have their their magic about them where you can like get up in someone's face and like sing right there, you know? And, um, it's a little more intimate. I feel like an intimate setting, but you also reach more people in the arena setting and, um, they both have their pros and their cons. Um, but we do usually do like a VIP for any like arena shows. So we, the people that really want to meet and the diehards will come out and we'll spend one-on-one -on -one time with them or, 10 people, 20 people in a room and chill out. The VIPs. Yeah, they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, they pay for the RV. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, we're going to play Lost. Um, if you could just tell us, I mean, we, we know about the, the collaboration, but maybe just tell us a little bit about the background of the song and, uh, and go ahead and introduce it for us. Yeah, this is Lost featuring Sully Erna from Godsmack, and um, it's just kind of about being lost in your own mind and trapped in there.
I know there's a lot going on in the world, uh, which has made you kind of probably um, stuck. And like you said previously, you've been doing a lot of writing. Um, how how have you been with everything? Because um, you're in uh, you're in California, right? I think the L.A. area. Uh, and I know that that was pretty tight with the quarantining. We're in Arizona, and it was a little bit loose. So tell us a little about your experience with it. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, the day that our record came out, the tour that we were supposed to do with Sebastian Bach was also postponed till the fall. So it hit pretty hard immediately. And I I knew that it was going to take a little bit of a mental challenge for me. So I, as soon as I found out, first I ordered a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I get to eat carbs again because I get all ready for this stage and try to get my energy levels up and everything. So I was like, okay, no more gym and I get to eat carbs. And, um, and then I called up the kitten rescue that I foster kittens, like bottle baby kittens. Um, and I was like, give me kittens. I need to do something productive cause I'm going to be home for a while. So, uh, 
a couple days later, I got some, some bottle baby kittens and that kept me busy enough. And, you know, I, I, I'm trying my best to stay in a positive headspace with the whole thing. Um, I'm pretty good at being a hermit anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with being home for long periods of time, but I would like to go out sometimes, you know, like once a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was living near the beach in Santa Monica. We just actually moved our whole entire house and our studio a little bit on the outskirts of LA um, to a bigger place. But I would normally ride my bike on the beach and, you know, do that stuff, meditate on the sand and we, the beaches were closed. And so like, I couldn't do any of the stuff that I really love to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I understand why why all the rules like because there I do have some friends that were affected by COVID some really close people to me and they they told me the horror stories of it and so it, it does it is a very dangerous thing and um, I for the sake of my grandparents and anybody else that's super susceptible to to it um, I stay inside as much as possible we have band practice once a week um, it's just the three of us. I literally haven't seen any other people aside from on like zoom and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in real life, except for my guitar player, my bass player, um, and whoever's at the supermarket when I'm still looking for toilet paper. <laughs> are you, are you wearing masks there when you have to go out? Is that, is that it? Yeah, you can't, you won't, you'll be refused service if you try to go in anywhere without a mask on. Crazy. I am uh, on a three month extra lockdown. Did I read that or is that? Honestly, I have not been paying attention to the news so much. I do know that the beaches opened up uh, recently okay. for at least walking and uh, riding your bike, but you couldn't sit and stay there. Hmm. Got it. <laughs> with, with your mask, does anybody recognize you? I don't think they would if even with it off, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, it's so weird. Like I want to smile at people. I like go like I walk by and I like to smile at people and I can't, and they don't know. They just look, I think I'm staring at them awkwardly, you know, like, hi, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I, I remember I complimented this lady the other day cause she had this cute pink polka dot mask. And I was like, I love your mask. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing to say to someone. <laughs> well, I can't show facial expressions at all. Well, yeah. Where where is the stitched up heart mask? Because I've seen a Rolling Stones one, Lamb of God. I've seen Slayer masks. Where where are we on that merchandise? We were talking about doing it like about a month ago, but it was going to take two weeks for them to produce all of the masks, and it we would have to order a minimum of a hundred. And at the time, I was like, I don't think a hundred people are going to buy it. But then I talked about it on a live stream that we did on Facebook, and they were like, I'll buy five, I'll buy twenty, and I'm yeah. like. Yeah, I was going to say, I would expect people to buy those for sure. Yeah, I uh, didn't realize there was that much of a demand for it. And um, so I think it's pretty much we're getting to the point where it's out of quarantine. And um, I think that the masks will be a, a thing of yesterday, hopefully. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, looking at it, you know, um, I have a few. Some people made me some, you know, and, and my wife and I take the Jeep off road sometimes. So I have duck masks anyway. Um, but what I've noticed is, and I think some people are looking at it too, as a piece of history. Um, cause it's, this is something that people are going to remember forever. I mean, it's hard to compare it to something like nine 11, but it's still, it's a significant part of history that we've never faced before. So I think people are looking at 
any opportunity to have something to hold on to, to remember them you know, or to remind them about what had happened. Um, but I do agree. I think the masks will go away. And I think, um, I think I read somewhere that they're saying that the masks are a little bit insignificant now, uh, which <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I hate putting it on. Um, so it's like, I, I just feel like I'm breathing in my own breath and like mm -hmm. it's sticky and like I just feel weird in them so I really try not to go out as much as possible just so I don't have to wear them <laughs> um but yeah it, I I really can't wait till the day we can take those things off yeah, it'll be nice um I remember uh something on Twitter I think um where you were doing something for road crew or advertising for that something about helping out road crews and stagehands and stuff like that while they're not able to work is that right Yeah um actually Lizzie Hale hit me up and every time she hits me up I freaking dance like a little schoolgirl cuz I love her so much but she texted me and she's like hey would you be interested in doing something to post for live nation for our roadies it's called hashtag roadies strong um and it's a something to promote all the people that work like the crew and um all the people that are out of work and there's a lot like i was talking about the arenas versus the clubs but there's a lot of people that go into the setup of those big massive shows and like 50 to 100 people that are out of jobs because they can't uh you know like uh, there's no there's no festivals for a while hopefully there's some in July but but yeah so it's um it's a fundraiser to help with uh, the people that are out of work for um the behind the scenes the guys to help put the lights up to put the stage up make it look really cool <laughs> Um, and they are there first thing in the morning. They're the last ones to leave. Um, and they don't get any sort of like credibility. They don't get to like show their face. They're just part of it. And they see day in and day out, like what everybody goes through. And, um, they're just, you know, it's pretty awesome to have them around. Um, you said that, um, you know, you were talking before about preparing for a, a show, um, what do you do to prepare for a show or for a tour? I mean, I know you said something about like, you know, changing the diet and everything for more energy, but what other things do you do to get ready? We, we dive pretty hard on our rehearsals. I know there's a lot of bands that can just go in like day one on a show and just play, but we, um, we try to evolve a little every single tour. Um, like I've been learning like a new song every tour on guitar. Um, and now I'm up to like three, I just want it to be perfect. So I just make sure to perfect it with me singing and everything like that. But um, we try to add something different to the stage, but yeah, I was going to the gym, um, maybe like six, seven times a week, <laughs> uh, every day trying to get in physical shape so that I could give as much energy as I possibly can and look good in a onesie, <laughs> like my one piece outfits that I can't pee in, but, um, <laughs> they're, they're sparkly and beautiful, but I can never go to the bathroom. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, whether it be setting up the stage, adding a new song to the set, changing things, um, the way that we have new fog geysers and lights and new gear that we're trying out. So it usually takes a, a good two months to really dial it in. Okay. Um, now you said 70 songs uh, that are not there anymore, but I also heard you say something about revisiting those songs. Um, is that 
those 70 songs, so they still exist? And is it something you might revisit as you say you're doing writing and you're about to do, you know, spend a week and kind of go over stuff? Or is it all fresh every time? I like, I like just starting from scratch. Um, I feel like if it was written at a time, it was written for that time and there's something else happening now, you know? So, uh, I'll go back and listen and maybe there's some that I can save, but I feel like it's in the past and those songs were written and they may never see the light of day, but it helped, um, get us to the point to make what we created. Okay. Uh, and also I saw that, um, you actually directed the last two videos. Well, that's awesome. Is that something that you've been wanting to do or how'd that come up? Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm very good at listening and taking directions from like the people that are, we have a huge team behind us and usually they'll come up with a director that they, that has their own idea of what they want the video to be like. Um, but this particular one, they gave me the reins to pretty much do whatever we wanted. And I picked the director, which is Ron Underwood, who did finally free as well, which was a simple performance video that's done better than every other video that we've done. Um, and for lost, I had the concept of just doing like clips of the, sh the show live, which isn't really that much work. I just thought of something, <laughs> but, um, for warrior, uh, I really wanted to like, I, I had like a free range to there. They wanted a performance video. And so that's where we started. So it could have been just us playing live at a rehearsal space or since it's warrior, we could have all been in camo in the desert or something, but, um, I didn't want to do just your standard desert scene. And I, I don't know, just the, the movie 300 popped up in my head mm -hmm. and I just know how like the cinematography is super cool and that, and how like I wanted the color schemes to kind of represent that. So we watched 300 over and over and over again. Um, and that's where you kind of get the gold thing from the uh, Persian God guy. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a little weird because I was wearing this like nude, like bathing suit thing and I kicked all the boys out of the, the lockout. And I was like, you guys can't be a part of this. And this is really awkward. <laughs> I felt bad for, like the video director probably saw a couple of nip slips, but um, <laughs> I'm sure there's some outtakes you could bribe them with. But um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun being able to like come up with the theme originally. Like I wanted like a warrior to be like, this like superhero like kind of like concept and then we needed a trans like an opposite to that what's this like superhero what's the most vulnerable thing of the superhero like taking everything and stripping it away um and so i think we did pretty good uh our drummer was super sick that day and so if you look at his facial expressions in the video he's just like trying not to throw up on his drums the entire time <laughs> He made it. It took a couple hours. Yeah, I didn't notice that, so he did good. <laughs> yeah, check him out in the videos when he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, man. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah, that music video definitely keeps you hooked the whole time, like from start okay. to finish. Okay, I see. I can't watch any videos with me in it because I feel so weird. I like. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, that makes sense. I get all awkward. I'm like, Oh, I look so stupid there. I look, you know, I get all insecure, but, um, but yeah, so I just don't watch it, but hopefully other people like it. That <laughs> yeah, was definitely, it was definitely a good video. So is that something you want to continue with? Would you like to direct more and, and do more stuff? 
Oh yeah. And, um, I did have some say in the Frankenstein video that we did from a long time ago. And that one took a lot of, um, storytelling and a very, very, uh, it was a director first. He does a lot of films type, type stuff. So it was very much, um, a collaboration of us with our ideas together, but he definitely had more say in how it went in the vision. But yeah, I think it's part of the creative process. You like when I write a song, I see it. Like I see, I want, like I see the colors and I see like the darkness and the, you know, like I just see those kind of things in, in the lyrics. And um, I am always about any sort of way to create any sort of art, whether it be in film or um, the music videos or just the songs. Gotcha. That's cool. All right. The band's been around for 10 years. What would you tell yourself back then, knowing what you know now? Practice every single day. Um, and you're going to not get it right all the time. So just, uh, you know, pick yourself back up again and stitch your heart back up and try again. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I really think that just hope and not giving up and like, in 10 years, you'll still be a band. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, on the other side of that, it's it's been 10 years now. Um, a lot of blood, sweat, tears. Um, when you look out now um, and, you're, and you're playing and these fans are yelling the lyrics back to you and they're all throwing their hands in the air, how does that make you feel about all that work you've put in? Uh, every single show I have to take like a second to stop what's going on and look out and like, just, I, I have to do that every show just to realize like, cause sometimes we'll just go into the routine of playing these songs through, but then I have to stop and like, look out and see that there's all these people like, and those little dreams, those reoccurring dreams I had as like a kid are real. And it was like, it's just, um, when you see somebody, especially if you're in a whole entire arena with Godsmack, like, and you're like a nobody band that's opening up for them, and there's actually people that know the songs, like, I will connect with that one person that's singing the song, like, with me the most of the show if I see that they know songs. Like, there, it was actually really interesting because we were playing some of the new stuff before it was even out on the Godsmack tour, and, like, as one single would release, like we did the waterfall effect, releasing a song every month um, before the album was released entirely. And I'd see the people that knew that were paying attention to like the one song we just released last week, you know? And I'm like, how did they, they know the words to this already. And it's just really weird to see that or to look on our Spotify dashboard and see like that people are listening to your stuff right now as we speak. And um, it's just really cool. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to, to grasp it. Right. Uh, so you, you become familiar and made a lot of friends in the business. So as you progress, do you see some more compilations, some side projects, anything like that? Oh yeah, I already did some uh, a little co a collaboration with someone I can't talk about yet, but um, known him a very long time. But uh, yeah, I I 
freaking love doing stuff with other artists. I think it's like the funnest thing. I want to collaborate with everyone. Um, and I think that like, you know, the scene, the, the rock scene uh, is, even though it seems like it's huge and there's so many bands out there, there's really like, we're all just like a, like a school of bands. Like it's like, we're all eventually going to tour with each other because we all know each other. And so it's like you eventually you're going to go on tour with these guys because you know them from this and like, they're going to need a band to open up at some point. So like, um, you know, I, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of bands that I have been pushing to try to get on tour with that will eventually happen. And, um, I want to collaborate with everybody possible. I just think it's so fun. Jamie, Matt. I'm good. I asked yeah. everything I needed to do. I think we'll uh, have her lead us into the last song, unless you got anything else to Uh I don't. Uh, Mixie, uh, I really appreciate you getting on with us. Um, the only other thing I'll tell you is two weeks from now, happy birthday. Um, uh, I know that's Jeff, coming up. again. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, actually, Jeff actually interviewed you before, right? Uh, yeah, about he was shy to bring. Ago. He was too shy to bring. I was going to say he didn't bring it up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my my previous outfit, um, uh, I interviewed you uh, was when you played at the Rebel Lounge a couple of years ago in Phoenix. Okay, um, I, I I thought that you looked familiar. Yeah, <laughs> you, you met my wife and 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 ah. welcomed her with open arms. Oh. And uh, and uh, it was your brand new tour bus. You were really excited about it. That's where we did the interview, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that we put together. Um, we built the bunks in and everything. And the engine blew 8,000 miles in. Man. Ouch. Oh. Yeah, so we have to rent RVs now. We tried to, like, we ended up doing, like, a crowdfund, like, asking to sell autographed guitars to try to raise money for a new engine, which was 25 grand. Wow. We did raise the money, got a new engine, and then the thing just kept breaking down every 50 miles. So it was like we ended up selling it. And now we just rent, um, and that, that kind of works out. It's it's kind of comfortable. There's at least toilets in the RVs. <laughs> well, I guess that goes back to when you tell yourself, you know, the struggles and stuff like that. Don't worry. If the tour bus breaks, we'll still find a way to get it done. You know, it was crazy because, like, um, on that subject, we – we had just finally, we've been touring in a van for five years and we were just finally seeing like, we can have our own bus. We have our own bed. Um, I even had like a portable porta potty kind of thing. We never used it because it's weird, but, um, but yeah, it felt like we had more space and like, we finally like leveled up and then that got like destroyed. But, uh, we were on such an amazing tour with Lacey Sturm, Letters from the Fire, and Lacey let us use all their gear. We ended up back in a van, um, and luckily, because Lacey Sturm is such an empowering, like powerful, positive light, that we stayed in a very good headspace with all that was going on. Um, and yeah, it, it, we couldn't have been on a better tour to to try to keep having hope, and it'll yeah. be okay, you know. Good. Well, I'm very excited about where you guys are at, and I'm excited to see what you come up with next. Yeah, me as well. I'm excited to yeah. follow you. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's uh, great. Yeah, it is phenomenal. Uh, and Jamie, just so you know, is the EDM person who actually just started getting into EDM from country music. So it's always nice to introduce her. And you and I talked a while. Oh yeah, back I already about added like uh, six or seven of your songs to my Spotify playlist. So oh, thank you. Yay. Yeah. No. Of course, you were, you you're awesome. In, you're in Arizona. So, yeah. like, what part of Arizona are you guys in? 
Uh, we're all in the Phoenix area. We're all in the Valley. So. Okay. So I lived the Arizona life when we were recording with Matt. I stayed in uh, this uh, Ramada um, in Tempe. You know where the Mills Mall is? Oh, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. By Arizona Mills. Yeah. <laughs> So for a month, we, I was writing there, and uh, we would just go to the studio, to Matt Good's studio in Tempe, and I lived that Arizona lifestyle. In the time I was there, um, well, I learned that you park your car wherever there's shade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, was, there was a haboob, a dust storm. Yep. <laughs> there was a hurricane coming from the Pacific through Mexico, there was a flood, 120 degree weather, and um, I don't even know. I think like a fire or something. I was like, "You guys, your weather is just yeah. insane." Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like Arizona weather, but during monsoon season, it does get a little crazy. Oh yeah, I think there's a monsoon at some point too. But it was like I was like, "What is going on?" It's like one thing after the other. Yeah, and uh, but I, I learned the like. I learned a lot. I went to go see uh, an EDM festival there actually with the, uh, one of our day-to-day managers now who was Matt Good's manager at the time. Um, he brought me to see, who was it? Steve Aoki. Oh, cool. And I mean, I'm a sober person, so I was like chugging waters and drink and eating ice cream. But, um, so I was like a little out of my usual, uh, environment. (laughs) Yeah. but I also used to spin records back in Florida. I spun break beats with, uh, I had Technique 1200 MK2s. Um, and it was like a, a, a thing for like a year and I got over it. But it was, it's, it's interesting. I, I find the electronic music can be, it can blend in rock. It's not like it has to be. Yeah, sexy. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I look back at EDM and, uh, you know, I, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but, um, I always talk to the kids about EDM and I'm like, and every genre has a history of, you know, influences that have progressed and I'll sit and, and I don't even know if anybody's going to know who I'm talking about. But when I talk to EDM kids, it's, it's like, well, do you know who Sig Sig Sputnik is? Do you know who the revolting cocks are? Do you know who KMFDM is? And all these industrial and electronic bands are the ones that kind of started that movement. And then people slowly move pop into it. Um, and and other genres and and made it what it is today but it's you know it's sometimes it's hard to for them to find the history of the music just because it's new um and it's more i don't know i i i guess more progressed or whatever doesn't mean that it didn't have a history so sometimes yeah, i get start somewhere i think it's just because i'm an old person i think i usually get frustrated when people don't know the history of the music so but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely different. And I've, you know, thanks to Jamie, I, Jamie sent me a few uh, artists that I've started listening to now. Uh, and I work with a lot of kids that are into EDM. So I've slowly kind of turned. And I think that industrial path helps a little bit too. So, but I mean, it's all music either way. I mean, you can't knock anything. I mean, it's, you know, even country music now is, is, you know, it used to get a, a, you know, a kick in the pants a little bit here and there for being really sad, but it's been modernized and, you know, it's, it's, and if you listen to it now and you listen to some of the, you know, early Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and stuff like that, you can still feel everything you need to feel from the music and it all ties together no matter what. I mean, as cliche as this sounds, like I just, I obviously, I have my certain types of music that I would prefer to listen to others, but 
I just think that every genre of music is just so beautiful in its own way and has its own way of like just expressing to the world. And even, I don't know, I just think music in general and any genre is just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I found that little festival that we went to was really interesting and like, um, I picked up like some cool elements of it. Like I'm obsessed with the way that most EDM festivals do their lights. Mm -hmm. And I think like at some point that's a really great like starting point, even for a rock band to have like a light show. Cause most of it, cause it's just a guy with the DJ equipment usually, yeah. or they'll have yeah, like, the best of both worlds. Yeah. You have to have something going on on the stage to um, visually be appealing to people. So I, I found a lot of really cool and, inspiration um from the light shows that they have that's cool that's really cool <laughs> all right um mixy again thank you for being on the show i wish you all the success um uh again we'll, we're going to continue to follow the band and, and keep up uh maybe we can revisit you know in another year and see where we're at um if the tour with sebastian bach goes on you're going to be in town on december 11th so we might come up and wave to you at the stage and be like, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, if you could tell us a little bit about uh, warrior as we go into the song and, and just, we'll, and we'll have you send us off. Yeah. Warrior was one of the first uh, tracks we did with Matt good. Uh, when we realized that this is the guy that we want to work with uh, as far as producing the album. Um, it's something that I wrote, because my mom or my grandma wanted me to write something for our veterans. And I, I felt like we don't talk about what happens after you go to war. We don't talk about PTSD and stuff enough. And I felt like there's so many songs that could be strength warrior, but what about what, how it's affected people, what they've seen and how they can't unsee that and how it's changed them from going to war. So it's really just a dedication to all the people that have been in service for us. Well, here it is. And uh, thanks again, Mixie. Yeah, thank you so much. It was awesome talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior.